your labor is not in vain. Sometimes it's hard to tell. Uh, sometimes we're given promises ahead of time uh, that your labor certainly will not be in vain. These things sell themselves. That was the basic idea behind my first job out of college. Got a business degree, came out of college, first full-time job, salaried job. The basic idea was these things sell themselves. I went to work for a, a very small, it was actually kind of a side hustle started by somebody who was in sales in the corporate world, um, selling promotional marketing products. And uh, he, right about the time I was graduating from college, he had come back from a trade show in New York where he was showcasing a new product that, uh, was, that people were just wild about. And so he came back from New York with a big stack of response cards with people saying, hey, please get a hold of me and, and tell me more about these things. And so he needed somebody to follow up and to talk to all of these eager customers and help them process orders for compressed t-shirts. They were amazing. What you do is you take a t-shirt and you put it in a, in, a, in a shaped hydraulic press and you put it under, I forget how many tons of pressure in this hydraulic press, and you squish it down and you shrink wrap it and it can be mailed as a postcard. And it's really cool. And these people in New York thought it was really cool and, and these things were about ready to sell themselves. And so all that my friend who I, who I knew previously needed was somebody to come in and be there as these things sold themselves. Well, maybe if he were the one not selling them, they would have sold themselves uh, because he was a skilled salesman. Um, it might not surprise you that I'm not a skilled salesman. Uh, and I told him that I wasn't, and, and he was okay with that. Uh, it probably was just second nature to him to be so enthusiastic and so easy in conversation with people that when he describes a t-shirt you can mail as a postcard, people will just buy them, and maybe they would have. I did not sell a single order in three months, and the plug got pulled, and so my first job out of college lasted three months, and it was over. Uh, in, in that sense, if that's the measure, then my, my labor was in vain. The good news of the kingdom uh, does not sell itself in the way that I, as an idealistic 22-year-old, anticipated that compressed t-shirts would sell themselves. That it would be easy, that people would simply receive it, and that it would do everything all at once. The good news of the kingdom does not simply sell itself. Receiving forgiveness for sin under the authority of Jesus is not something that the human heart is naturally hungry for. The human heart wants to say, I'm good enough. The human heart wants to say, I, I want to be in charge of my own life. Forgiveness of sins under the authority of Jesus is something infinitely better and something that, that does not sell itself to the natural human heart. But it is the good news of the kingdom of God. And there are those who hear it and say, that, that is what I need. Those who heard it in last week's passage that Derek shared with us, who hear the good news from Jesus' mouth directly, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Peace. 
And when you're face to face with the reality of your sins and your hopelessness to deal with them, and you hear Jesus say that to you, when you realize that you are, you're that kind of poor, then you begin to realize, oh, that's what it means that the poor are blessed. That's what it means for the kingdom of God to belong to me. And as someone who belongs in the kingdom of God, you go in peace when you've heard that and you receive it as good news. But you have to be prepared. So who belongs? Who belongs in the kingdom? Who are the insiders? Well, in this morning's passage, which is a little bit longer than typical, it's Luke 8, verses 1 through 21. This is a passage that is bookended. There's a short section at the beginning and a short section at the end that describes the question of who are the insiders and who's not. And in verses 1 through 3, we see new insiders, people that you wouldn't necessarily expect uh, to be insiders in the kingdom of God. And then at the end, in verses 19, 19 through 21, we see what we could really call presumed insiders, people that you would think, These people are such a natural fit for what's going on in this story that of course they would be insiders. Of course they would have a hearing with Jesus. Uh, And they're, they're not. And they don't. And then in between, in between, in verses 4 through 18, what we find is that the true insiders are those who hear Jesus well. Not only those who hear him the first time, but those who hear him well. Which means those who listen and those who stay with him long enough to keep listening. There are going to be some things as Jesus unfolds the good news of the kingdom of God. There are going to be some things that are hard to hear. And there are going to be some things that make it hard to hear. Some things in people's lives that cause them to say either, I, I need a better solution than the one that Jesus offers. I need something different than what he's bringing. I need something different than forgiveness of sins under his authority. Or that cause them to say, I already have something better. I don't need him. I don't need what he offers. There are things that are hard to hear and things that make it hard to hear. And so Jesus will say, take care then how you hear. Listen carefully to the good news of the kingdom and keep listening because because what you're hearing is the good news of the kingdom of God and there is no other. There's only one good news and there's only one kind of response to that good news that results in anything good. And that's what Jesus is going to call people to listen carefully to in this morning's passage. So this is Luke 8, 1 through 21. And first, I just want to read the passage for us. Luke 8, 1 through 21. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. 
And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell, fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar and puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is the word of the Lord. So here's Jesus again, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Verse 1. The good news of the kingdom of God that, that he has described himself in Luke 4 as he begins to introduce his ministry. Uh, the good news that, that the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me. This is chapter 4, verse 18. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The good news that he introduces in chapter 6, as we get uh, one of the longest sections of Jesus' teaching in Luke, and the first thing that he says is, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. The good news to the poor, properly understood, is that the kingdom of God belongs to them. And it belongs to them through Jesus, who is the king who has the authority to forgive sins. The king who has the authority to fit people for suitability in the kingdom of God. It's, it's only the poor, properly understood, that actually receive that. And he's proclaiming that good and he's acting on it. And as we've seen Jesus act in Luke, that's what we've seen him doing. Forgiving the sins of the needy who come to him. And there are some who have come to him, and they're represented here uh, in, this, in this group of people, sort of a diverse group of people, 
in verses 1 through 3, they're represented by the 12, uh, those are his disciples, and some women in verse 2. And the women that are highlighted, some of them are those who have been rescued from horrible situations. You have Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons went out. People who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. These are people who had been rescued from horrible situations, people who no doubt had been forgiven much. And as we saw last week, the one who has been forgiven much loves much. And so they do. And so they provided for them, for Jesus and his followers, out of their own means. Verse 3. And Jesus lets them do it. Uh, certainly, here's one with authority who uh, knows how to multiply a few loaves and fishes into food for 5,000 people. And, and yet, he allows for his needs and the needs of his disciples to be met by people who themselves have been rescued. Jesus is gathering together. He has the starting point of a group of people who will partner with him in his proclaiming work. They'll partner in different ways. But from an early stage, Jesus draws other people, even people that he's rescued, into his proclaiming work. Those people need to know what to expect. As the good news of the kingdom goes out, as the word of God goes out, what should they expect? What should they expect it to be like? Uh, will it sell itself? Will receiving it be a no-brainer? And how should they respond when they hear it? So before they can actually join him in proclaiming, like he's doing, they need to hear. So he gives them an illustration of what hearing is going to be like. Uh, how different hearers are going to respond. And how they must respond in order to benefit from the word as they hear it. He, he gives them an illustration that's relevant first to their hearing and then to their telling. There are going to be different responses to the good news. And they need to know that ahead of time. And more importantly, they need to choose the right response as they hear it. Uh, many will hear, and not all will hear well. And as Jesus will describe, hearing Jesus well is a matter of life and death. So first, Jesus tells them a parable about hearing. And this runs from verse 4 through verse 18. It's interesting that, that as he tells the good news and as he begins to emphasize that hearing well is really, really important, he starts by speaking in a way that makes hearing a little bit more challenging. He's, he's been speaking in a way that's more direct in, in the Sermon on the Plain and, and describing what the kingdom is like. And here, for the first time, he speaks in a parable. Verse 4. He uses a figure of speech. And he's going to do this uh, a lot. In this particular parable, he spends more time on this one. He's doing more with this parable than he does with some of the others. And so what he does first is he tells the parable in verses 4 through 8. Then he explains why parables. Why do I speak in parables in the first place? He explains why parables in verses 9 to 10. Then he explains this parable in verses 11 to 15. 
And then he says what to do with this parable, how to respond to it. He applies this parable in verses 16 to 18. So first he tells the parable, and, and probably for most of us, perhaps for all of us, this is a parable that we've heard before. Even perhaps somebody who hasn't grown up in church has heard this parable, is familiar with it. Uh, this, this parable of the sower. And I don't need to go through the details of it. We've read it. You've, you've likely heard it. Uh, but without getting ahead of ourselves, here's what we can see from the parable as it's told. Here, here's what even the original readers who are like, I'm not sure what this stands for, but I have a general idea, at least what I'm hearing. We're hearing about something good that's distributed. Something life-giving that's distributed, that's going out. And it's received in different ways with different results. In fact, those different ways can even be seen in the different, the different prepositions uh, that Jesus uses for where the seed goes. Look at this in, in verse 6. Some fell on the rock. Verse 7, some fell among the thorns. I'm sorry. Uh, so, let me back up a bit. Verse 5, some fell along the path. See the distance there? Some fell along the path. Verse 6, some fell on the rock. Verse 7, some fell among the thorns. Going deeper. And verse 8, some fell into good soil. So we're getting closer and closer and closer. The seed is getting closer and going deeper. You can see that happening even in the words that Jesus uses. And then we see a result. And as the listeners hear this, the listeners can tell, even if they don't know what it stands for, that there's only one result that actually represents good news. There's only one time when something good actually happens, and it's something good that really, really matters. When Jesus uses the illustration of farming, he's not talking about hobby farming. Uh, for many of us, uh, if, if, we, if we plant a garden and raise it, there's a lot of satisfaction in doing that if it actually works, and the bugs don't eat it. And yet, if the bugs do eat it, it, it's probably, for most of us, not a matter of life and death. In, in Jesus' time, if a sower sows and his seed doesn't result in fruit, then he could be ruined, and the people who depend on him could perhaps go hungry. This is, this is not hobby farming. Uh, this really is, at some level, a matter of life and death. And then Jesus emphasizes just how important the thing he's talking about is, and he gives a hint about how we ought to respond to it. He says at the end of verse 8, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hearing Jesus well is a matter of life and death. And so this is interesting. Jesus obviously sees this as urgent. There's something that you need to hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's broadcast to everyone. And yet, as he speaks, he's using a figure of speech. So here, Jesus, you, you want us to hear, but you're using a figure of speech. So how do you want us to really hear what you're actually saying? And the disciples seem to have that question burning inside of themselves. And whether they realize it or not, they answer that question. How are we really supposed to hear well? They answer that question the right way. And we see that in verse 9. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, the right answer to the question, how do we hear well, is come to Jesus. 
Come to Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Keep coming to Jesus. Keep listening to him. He is the, it's not simply a matter of an explanation. It's really more a matter of a person. That's what this is all about. It's about him. And so the disciples come to him. And he describes to them his reason for using parables, even before he gives them the explanation of the parables. He'll do that in verses 11 through 15. Here's my reason, he says, for speaking in parables. In this case, as Jesus describes this, there are two layers of meaning. There's what this parable means, and there's what it means that he's speaking in parables. What the parable represents and why he's speaking in parables. And the answer to both questions points in the same direction. Extremely important things are being revealed, distributed, and they're also being hidden. Some people will receive them in a life-giving way. Some people, even though they're distributed to them, will not receive them in a life-giving way. They're revealed to some. They're revealed to insiders. And the way they get to be insiders is being shown right now. It's a gift. First thing we hear here is that hearing well is a gift. Jesus tells his disciples, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. He doesn't say here what the secrets are. He's going to start doing that in coming chapters. But what he's telling them is that you have a gift. You've been given to know what the secrets are. There are things that people aren't naturally going to understand, aren't naturally going to come up with. If you were to ask them what's the good news of the kingdom of God, they wouldn't guess this. And you get to know what it is. And those things are hidden from others. To you it's been given to know, but to others... They are in parables. The secrets of the kingdom of God are hidden from others so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Uh, that's not an easy word to hear, is it? What's Jesus doing? Well, as Jesus says this, he, he is, he's echoing the words of Isaiah 6. Uh, we actually read uh, either these words or some words in the context earlier Seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. What's going on in that passage? Well, Isaiah is receiving his commission from the Lord. This, this throne room scene that you may be familiar with, and, and Isaiah hears from God, and, 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 and God prepares him to speak by cleansing his tongue. And then God says, who will speak for us, and who will we send? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And God says, okay, you're going to go out. You're going to distribute the word. What should you expect when this happens? And here's what it is. As Isaiah 6, 9, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Why? Why is that? Is, is, is God taking people who are saying, please give me the truth and saying, nope, you're not chosen so you can't have it. Well, 
we read further into Isaiah, we, we, we enter into the story of Isaiah's proclaiming the truth and we find what's actually happening. What we actually find is somebody who from the very beginning refuses to listen to the word of God. He refuses to listen in the past and so he will refuse to listen in the future in a situation where he's given every advantage. Ahaz is the king and Ahaz is facing a life and death situation. He's being threatened by two kings who are in league with each other and he's frightened and he, 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 he wants to find some way of rescuing himself. They're, they're, they're coming against him and he's really concerned and Isaiah comes to him and he says, their threats are not going to happen. Uh, their, their plans against you will not come to fruition. It will not work. Uh, unconditional promise. This will not work. And then he tells Ahaz, if you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. So here's a promise to you. If, if you will simply trust this promise, then you will stand firm. If you will not trust this promise, you will not stand firm. The promise will be fulfilled regardless. Your only way to benefit from this promise is to trust it. And then Isaiah does something really unusual with Ahaz, and he gives him, he gives him even more sort of scaffolding. He props him up even further, and he says, Ask a sign of Yahweh your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test, which sounds very holy. Uh, the only challenge is if we look elsewhere in scripture, we realize that Ahaz is not simply looking to the Lord and saying, I won't test you. He's not looking to the Lord. He's looking away from him to the king of Assyria for help. That's where he's actually looking. He's chosen not to stand firm by faith. I've been given this unconditional promise of rescue and I will not trust it. And those who will not listen to what God has already said, will not listen to what God will say in the future. And so God has already told Isaiah, tell these people, keep listening and don't understand. And that's what's happening. And that's what is beginning to happen in Luke as well. There are those who are being given the gift to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And there are those who have already begun to say, no, I have my own way. I don't need you. I have something better. So in cases like that, the word goes quiet. And so even here, Jesus begins to speak in parables in such a way as to say, the, the only way for you to know the secrets of the kingdom of God is for you to come to me. And that offer is available to everyone. If you will not, then the, the good news of the kingdom will be silent to you. And so by telling a parable, Jesus is actually doing what he's describing. <clears throat> Hearing well is a gift that's given by Jesus himself. That's why parables. Uh, what's the meaning of this particular parable then in verses 11 through 15? If the disciples have been listening closely to Jesus and watching what he's been doing, then it'll make sense to them when Jesus begins to explain that the thing that's being distributed in the story, 
the seed is the word of God. Specifically, the word of God that Jesus is sending out, specifically the good news of the kingdom of God, that forgiveness of sins is being offered under the authority of Jesus. There are, of course, uh, verse 12, those along the path who don't believe and who, as a result, are not saved who refuse to stand firm by faith and therefore will not stand firm at all. And the word is taken away from them immediately. Jesus begins to acknowledge that the responses will become a little more complex as well. They, they won't all be the same response. And there are going to be responses to the word of God that look really, really promising and end up not being promising. We have multiple responses in this passage. All of them involve hearing. They all involve hearing. Every single one of these situations is somebody who has heard the word of God. And there are even situations in which in some way people believe. And in some way people even receive it with joy in verse 13. And yet, in their case, the word has no lasting result. And the problem here is that there will be threats to true hearing. There will be threats to hearing Jesus well. And Jesus describes what those threats are. He says there are, there are hardships that some people are going to face. This is, this is the, the ones where the seed falls on the rocky soil. This is verse 13, and the, ones who, and the ones on the rock are those who, when, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. So there are those who face troubles in life and say, this, this is not working for me. Forgiveness of sins under the authority of Jesus is, is evidently not what I actually need in order to, in order to, survive in order to live, in order to flourish, in order to be what God made me to be. And they face time of testing and say, I, much, I must need something else because of the hardships of life. For some, it's the, the pleasures of life. We see that in verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. So there's an initial response that matches the reliability of the word. The word is able to create life. <clears throat> but there's only one response that actually reflects the good news. There's only one response that actually does something good. And the point here is that hearing well bears fruit over time. Hearing well bears fruit over time. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Bearing fruit comes from ongoing trust in Jesus. Through those times when I'm faced with what Jesus says, and it takes serious adjustment on my part. And I say, well, this isn't the good news that I ordered. 
and yet it's the good news that I need. It's the good news that keeps, it's, it's the response that keeps coming to Jesus when I'm faced with situations in life that cause me to say, I, I feel like I need to trust in myself. I feel like I need to solve this for myself. But that keeps coming to him over time and bears fruit with patience. The fruit that, or the seed that lands in the good soil is received by a heart that says, life comes from you. Whatever you say is what I really need, however foreign it might feel to me. So the message to Jesus' early followers is keep listening. Keep listening. The word is going to continue to unfold for you. There are going to be things that you hear that are hard for you to hear. There are going to be circumstances that make it hard to hear. Keep listening. The secrets will not all be pleasant. Some people are going to be driven away by them, and it is the good news of the kingdom of God. Notice the whole time where the fruit actually comes from. The fruit doesn't come from the soil itself. The fruit comes from the word. It's the word that has this little seed that has all the programming in it, it's the only thing that has the programming in it to produce something of value. And yet, there is a response that's required by the soil in order for that life-giving seed to produce life and to multiply. So, because there's a response that's required, Jesus applies the parable in verses 16 through 18. He's He's told the parable. He said, here's why I'm teaching in parables. He's explained, here's what it represents. And then he says, here's what you ought to do with it. You, you, may, you may see this section split off in your version of the Bible. It actually is in the version that I have up here. I think that this section, verses 16 through 18, is actually a, a, an ongoing continuation of what Jesus has been saying. This is part of the parable. Uh, he does shift the metaphor a little bit, but he's talking about the same thing. The word is being broadcast. He, to change the metaphor a little bit, a lamp has been lit. So just like there's seed being thrown out, there's light now being distributed. And people, Jesus says, don't light a lamp in order for it to be hidden. And in the same way, the kingdom of God has appeared in the person of Jesus. And the purpose is not for that to be kept secret. The purpose is for the message to be made known, for the message to be sent out, for people to hear the good news of the kingdom of God. And just like an, a, a human person wouldn't light a lamp and then hide it, that would be totally pointless, that's not what God is doing here. Nothing, verse 17, is hidden that will not be made manifest nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. That's why Jesus is here proclaiming. That's why Jesus tells his disciples, to you, has, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. So as this proclaiming goes out, how ought we to respond as hearers? And that's what Jesus says in verse 18. Take care then how you hear. Take care how you hear. How, how do we do that? How, how do we hear in such a way that we benefit from the hearing? 
Just as we find that hearing well is a gift, we also find here, as, as, as Jesus calls us to listen carefully, that hearing well is also a choice. That we do have a choice in the matter. The parable of the soils, uh, it's important to recognize, is not an allegory. It's not as if every detail of the story represents something in such a way that soil perfectly represents us as human beings. We're not soil. Uh, soil doesn't actually have a choice about how it responds to the seed. Human beings do. And so Jesus says, pay attention how you hear. Take care how you hear. You do have a decision to make here. So take care how you hear. And then he gives some description of what it means to hear him well. Take care then how you hear for to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. <clears throat> who is the one who has? And, and what do they have? Let's go back, back to verses 9 and 10. To you, Jesus says, to those who are near him, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. Because you're here with me. You have me. To the one who has, more will be given. And to the one who has not, to the one who doesn't have me, to the one who won't come to me, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Notice the contrast that Jesus makes here. It's not only between the one who has and the one who doesn't have. It's more specifically between the one who has and the one who thinks he has. There's the one who actually has Jesus, and there's the one who presumes. The one who thinks that he has. The one who thinks that he deserves. The one who thinks that he's an insider. So who would we expect to be the insider? Who would, who would we expect to be the one that the good things belong to, that belongs in the kingdom of God? Well, the story here gives us the most natural answer to that question in verse 19. Who ought to have natural access to Jesus? Come back to the question of insiders here in verses 19 through 21. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. Well, that's a problem that people have faced before, isn't it? Uh, people have had trouble getting to him. And there are those who have not stood on the outside and said, hey, go get Jesus for us. There are those who have, have said, I must get to him or I must get my friend to him. Remember the story of the paralytic and his friends couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd. And so they, they came through another way. And what did Jesus recognize when he saw them? He saw their faith. They so desperately needed to get to him that they exercised faith, and Jesus saw it when they got there. The centurion recognized that he didn't deserve Jesus to be in his presence, and so he sent somebody else to ask him to heal his servant by a word. And what did Jesus see about him? He saw his faith. He saw his faith. What doesn't actually show up here? Now, Luke, I think, is gentle in his treatment of Jesus' family, and yet there is a contrast. They're outside. 
they can't get to him because of the crowd. And there is a sense here that, well, it's not really necessary for us to come to Jesus by faith. It's okay because we're family. We have another means of access. We have another way of getting to him. For us, being an insider is natural. And the point here is that nothing merely, nothing natural makes you an insider with Jesus. Nothing natural makes you an insider with Jesus. And yet, the flip side is that anybody can be. When Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, that's a call to everyone. The good news is not going to be easy to hear. The, the good news that, that forgiveness of sins is offered under the authority of Jesus is not something that my heart naturally has a hunger for. I, I, I don't want to be seen as a sinner. I don't want to live under the authority of Jesus. But it is the good news. There is no better good news. And there's a secret that brings all of that together that's been given to the disciples to know. If we were to continue reading in Luke for about seven or eight minutes, we would find it. How is it possible that as the disciples go out and they share the good news of the kingdom, that anybody will respond in such a way that life will multiply? How can they know that their labor will not be in vain? How is any of this possible? How is it possible that forgiveness of sins is offered under the authority of Jesus? It's because of what Jesus has the authority to do. This begins to show up in Luke 9. <clears throat> uh, Peter has just confessed that Jesus is the Christ of God, and Jesus begins to tell them the secret of what that's going to mean. Uh, Luke 9, starting in verse 21. And he strictly charged, charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. <clears throat> if somebody were to ask you, What's the good news? Here you're a Christian, and they say, okay, hear about this good news. What's the good news? Probably one of the first things that you would talk about is the death of Jesus. In some ways, that comes as second nature to us now if we've been Christians for a long time. And yet, the good news that Jesus died for sin both represents things that naturally we don't want to hear. I'm a sinner, and therefore not entitled to anything good. The Simons, Simons the Pharisees, don't want to hear that. They want to point to somebody else as a sinner who's not entitled to anything good. And Jesus is going to die, to which people like Peter will respond, may it never be. And yet it's at the very core of the secrets of the kingdom of God. This is how God is going to give and multiply life. And so when Jesus calls people to hear him and to stay with him and to keep hearing him when it's hard to hear and when life makes it hard to hear, he's saying, you need to trust me with your life. 
which might cost you your very life. It will cost me my life. And that's how you can know that my word is trustworthy. I am willing to lay down my life in order for you to receive life. And so the message about Jesus that Luke wants Theophilus to know is reliable is proven to be reliable by Jesus giving himself. The message about Jesus is reliable because everyone can be an insider. Many of you have been persevering for many, many years. And you've experienced seasons probably of profound fruit. And maybe you've experienced seasons of waiting as well. And what I want to encourage you with, as those who continue to come back to Jesus, who continue to listen to Jesus, and who sometimes go through seasons of thinking, am I bearing any fruit at all? To remember what Jesus says here. As for, those, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. It takes time. And there are times when you wait and there are times when you rejoice. And if you're in a season of waiting right now, keep waiting, keep listening, keep coming to him. The time will come when the promise of Psalm 126, because of the work of Jesus, because of the word of Jesus will be fulfilled for you. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Father, the things that we hear from Jesus are not always easy for us. We hear them in contexts that make it hard to listen, but we confess that what Jesus says, and ultimately what Jesus does, is the good news of the kingdom of God. So give us grace then to listen and to keep listening and as a result to bear great fruit because of the life that Jesus has given us. Empower us for this by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.